Hello and what is up everyone? Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule and welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Huddle. I am your host Greg. In today's episode, I want to break down thoroughly the Giants at the Houston Texans week three. And why have I waited now? No, not because the Giants won. But usually it takes a couple weeks for these teams to really get it together and you know what you have. I was going to wait until week four, but you know what? I'm not going to lie. It's because they won. I got a little bit excited, so I said, let me talk about them. I want to talk about some news and notes that took place this weekend in the NFL, but let's get started. So um, this past weekend, the 0-2 Giants were taking on the 0-2 Houston Texans at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. The game took place at 1 o'clock. And the Giants, they were victorious, winning 27-22. to But let's talk about the game, and let's begin with um, the first quarter. Now, when the game turned on, the Giants, they had deferred the ball, so the defense went out there first. And I'll tell you something right now. This Giants defense looks like it's really coming together. It looks like, um, obviously, when you're playing football and you haven't played a lot, it's the offense that has a lot more gelling that they need to do because it's more getting in sync. Where on defense, you have an assignment, but you're much more reacting to what the offense does that you're just trying to make a play. But early on in the game, what I noticed is, is that, the um, obviously, the Texans came out with a zone read because they saw that the Giants had problems with that with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and Blake Bortles. He just scorched the Giants for 40 yards in game one. So they did come out with that in early on in the first um, quarter. They were actually being able to move the ball. And they were actually successful with the early on. But when they tried to traditionally run with the running back, you could tell early on that the defensive line with, you know, Snacks Harrison, he was eating. It wasn't Snacks Harrison. It was Dinner Harrison. He wasn't snacking. He was eating. I mean, that defensive line was stout versus the run. It almost felt like every time they ran into the line, the defense just picked up the running back, threw him back and said, nope, no soup for you. Come back and try again. And the defensive line, I mean, it almost looked like once the ball was snapped, they were just pushing the offensive line back into the lap of um, Watson. Now, early on, you know, what I thought was going to be a problem, it's always been a problem with the Giants defense traditionally, has been quarterbacks that have been able to run, quarterbacks that have been able to have some type of athletic capability. Now, you know, with this first drive that I said, um, you know, that they came out, it was a lot of zone read along with some pass plays. After that, the Giants switched their defense. But what I like about this defensive coordinator, Beecher, is, is that he comes out and the first drive is very mundane, very vanilla. It's very, all right, let me see what you're going to do. Do you want to run to the left? Do you want to run to the right? Are you trying to pass over here? Or are you trying to pass over there? I mean, against the Cowboys, it burnt them because during the first drive, they lit up that bomb, and unfortunately, they weren't able to recover. But the the um, Texans were only able to get three points out of um, the first drive. And the adjustment that the Giants made was that instead of playing man-to-man, in which I'm looking at the guy in front of me, they decided to play zone. And the reason why you do that is because all eyes are on the quarterback. So if it looks like he's going to run, he sees you looking at him while I'm looking at the quarterback. 
So pretty much he feels that there's going to be no real chances of catching the defense off guard with the with the run. But what that does is it opens up lanes for him to pass and windows for him to get the ball in. And he was able to pass for over 300, close to 400 yards. But the Giants got the win. So you're willing to give up the passing yards as long as you don't give up the touchdowns. One thing that uh, I've learned by watching football for as many years as I have is, is that good defense is predicated on one stat, points allowed. A lot of times, the defenses that are ranked as one of the best defenses in the league, you always look at how much points they allow. Because it's one thing if you allow teams to walk up and down the field on you, but if you get a key turnover, they settle for three while you're getting touchdowns, and then all of a sudden the game is 21-9. That's the sign of a good defense. And that's what the Giants did early on. They were letting up field goals. They were getting turnovers. I mean, these things are happening early. You were getting worried that last year – this defense started out real good like they did now. If they would have gone 0-3, would it have been last year? Like last year where these guys are starting to make financial decisions, career decisions by week 7 or 8, and all of a sudden you start seeing guys missing tackles like, oh, geez, sorry, there was a banana peel there. I couldn't make that play. But now you're going 1-2. and two. Now you feel like, okay, this is working. Let's work harder so we can get better. I mean, in the first half, you could see that the offensive line, yeah, I said it, the offensive line of the Giants was able to work. They were able to sustain. Right? The Giants scored on each of their four possessions in the first half. How did they do that? They were able to provide a wall for Eli to at least have three to four, maybe even five seconds to pass the ball. They were even able, like I said last week, to run for first downs. Now, one thing got me real worried. You get that alert on your phone. Eric Flyers has been benched for Chad Wheeler. Now, you're thinking initially, all right, you know, Eric Flyers is the starting. So now we're going to get somebody. No, this other guy that is coming in is not better than Eric Flyers because it was made known that it was an open competition and Eric Flowers beat out all of the potential candidates for right tackle. So this player coming in wasn't necessarily more skilled or talented. They just felt like going in this direction. And I will say this, Mr. Chad Wheeler. I was watching this game and he did let up three sacks and they weren't sacks where it was like he didn't know what he was doing. They were just sacks where, look, that defense on the Houston Texans with Davion Clowney, two-time defensive player of the year, Mr. J.J. Watt. That's a tough defense. They blitz. They do a lot of exotic things. They blitz from everywhere. And in the first half, the Giants defense, the Giants offense, I'm sorry, was able to hold up and block it. And Chad Wheeler was matched up one-on-one with J.J. Watt. Yeah, there were tight ends chipping, running backs chipping. But what I'm saying is, is that it wasn't like they needed to game plan to help Chad Wheeler. And like I said, he did let up three sacks. But when you're playing a sport and any athlete out there agree with me or at me at, at Twitter, at Man, Cave, at, the, at Man Cave Huddle on Twitter, 
just give me a thumbs up, a thumbs down if you agree, if you don't agree. There's one thing where mentally I'm not going to get beat because I know my assignment, I know the technique, and I know how to play and do what the coach is asking me to do. And there's another difference where you do what you do at 100%, but this other player is just better than you. You know? It's almost like saying you're running a sprint with somebody and here you are, you're pumping your arms and you're, you're striding as hard as you can. And then the person next to you, he's just jogging and he's just running right past you. I mean, there's nothing to do, you could do if somebody's just better than you. And J.J. Watt was just better than Chad Wheeler, but it felt like Chad Wheeler didn't allow the mental mistakes, the holding, the false start, the tripping, those second and fours turn into now third and nine, third and 15s, where you're like, man, can we ever just string together a couple of plays and get something going? I mean, in the first half, the Texans were sending everybody. Exotic, they had two-man lines, a whole bunch of guys walking around on the off, by the offensive line, and it was getting blocked up. The Giants were winning on third down. How? Running the ball with Saquon Barkley. You were worried about this, this offensive line by the Giants. New center and Mr. Greco, new right tackle. So you're thinking, all right, as bad as the offensive line play, and we're inserting two new players? Mm. Let me start sipping my drink early. <laughs> right? This is going to be a long day. But it wasn't. And another thing that I saw that the coach did, which really helped Eli Manning out, was there was a lot of boot action and sprint action, meaning that it was a lot of getting Eli outside of the pocket and outside of the tackle line, outside of the hashes, having him run on the pass. And that really helped Eli out. And anybody that has seen Eli play knows play action and go deep, that's right up Eli's alley. And I felt like that helped settle in Eli early. That helped the offensive line block early. And that helped keep the defense off balance early where they didn't know what was happening. And another thing that I saw in this game in the first half, I mean, look, as a Giant fan, you know it's going to happen. But how does, how does delay of game always happen in every game, man? It's almost like you're looking at it, and they break the huddle at 10 seconds. Eli's going to the line like, 52 is the mic. Switch, 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 switch. Zebra, 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 Omaha. And you're like, Eli, three, two, one. Oh, damn, man. That was his first and 15. But there's one thing that when any fan of Eli Manning knows, there's two things that happen in every game that you just got to live with. It's kind of like, you know, when you're in a relationship with your lady and there's just something where you're like, you know what? I'm not perfect, so she accepts things about me that she doesn't like. I'm just going to accept that about her that I don't like. Eli Manning, and he hasn't up to this point, would always throw one of those Eli, what the hell type of interception was that? And the delay of the game. You'd be like, yo, come on, Eli. But a lot of times you'd win those games. So it would be like the, yo, come on, Eli, but we won, so it's okay. But I don't know how that still happens, but we won, so it's okay. And one player on defense that I want to talk about that stood out throughout the whole game was Kerry Wynn. I mean, he doesn't start, but he had six tackles, a pass defense, a tackle for loss. 
It almost felt like wherever the play was going, he was either near the play or making a play. Kerry win. Great defensive effort. Now let now in, the, in let's talk about some uh second half action now. Moving along. I thought with the Giants being up by 11 points, it was 20 to 9. I'm thinking, all right, the Giants are going to get the ball. You score a touchdown now, makes this 27-9. It changes the complete philosophy of the Houston Texans. It makes them one-dimensional. It makes them easier to defend because they're going to have to pass to get back into the game. And they didn't go three and out. I think they went, you know, they, they got a first down and then after that went three and out and went a couple possessions with three and out. And it just felt like, you know, you're looking at Shermer like, come on, man. Put the pedal to the metal because how many times would the Giants be playing well and I'm not trying to disparage Tom Coughlin at all, but you almost felt like if we just went for the jugular early in the second half, really knocked these dudes out. I would like as a giant fan, wouldn't you enjoy one of those 44 to 10, 28 to 3, one of those, you know, 35 to 17 victories? It never happens like that with the Giants, man. It's always those you're sitting on the edge of your couch at the two-minute warning, biting your fingernails. You can't move because you know if you move, you're going to break the, the the good luck that you've given the team, and you're holding in your pee like, am I going to pee myself or is this game going to be over? One or the other, right? That's how I was feeling, man. I, w- I want a game where it's like, you know what? Let me go refresh my drink. It doesn't matter if I miss this play. We got it in the bag. But that wasn't happening. But I will say this. The defense, the Giants offense played a half in the last drive of the second half. But the Giant defense, they played an exceptional game, first and second half. Because it almost feels like once Beecher knows what you're doing, (laughs) it's a wrap for you. It's almost like you're at the mercy of what the defense wants to do, and we're not going to let you get anything. Then they started blitzing. Then they started sending odd man fronts and started making plays. I mean, Alec Ogletree, the interception that he had, it was on a, it was on a play where Deshaun Watson escaped the pocket. And you know when he sees the guy downfield, he points, and he does that slow wind back, cocks back, and throws the ball. And you're like, oh, no, somebody must be wide open in the back of the end zone. And you see the ball in the air. It's coming down. You see the running back. And all of a sudden, you see Alec Ogletree jump up in the air and make a great athletic two-handed catch of the ball for the interception. I was like, wow, this Giants defense is for real. Then they, they, then they also had another turnover where they forced a fumble by the running back. I was like, my goodness. The offense isn't doing nothing, but we're not allowing this, this uh, Houston, Texas offense to do anything. To me, that interception right there, that was a Pro Bowl type of play. I'm not saying that play is going to get him into the Pro Bowl, but I'll tell you this much. If he does make the Pro Bowl, that's going to be on his highlight clip. I mean, the offense wasn't able, the giant offense I'm speaking about, wasn't able to create any type of separation. It was still tight. But you felt like, come on, offense. The defense is keeping us in this game. But come on, offense. All we need is a touchdown here. But Kerry Wynn kept balling. And then finally it came together in the second half. Game-winning drive. And this is how you know football has changed. 
game-winning drive. We're within the 20-yard line of the Houston Texans. Shotgun 4 wide. And Eli looks at the defense and tell, and waves out Saquon Barkley and says, go and become a receiver, essentially making it 5 wide. Let me say that again. Third and one, five wide. When I was growing up, third and one meant get me two tight ends and a fullback. Five wide. No athletic quarterback here, Eli Manning. They're going to send the house. DJ Watt's going to beat Chad Wheeler. But what happened? Saquon Barkley made a wonderful swim move, almost as if he was a wide receiver, beat the linebacker at the point of attack. I mean, Eli put a beautiful ball up that Saquon Barkley went up there and snatched for the first down. A couple plays later, Eli Manning on the third down, beautiful touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard. And and this is where you know, although Eli Manning may be calm, cool, and collective on the sidelines and in the locker room, Saquon Barkley said in the huddle on that play, he said, look, at 20-15, to Eli Manning looked at his team and said, we need three here. But let's get the touchdown and win the game. That's what I'm talking about right there. Three would have made it an eight-point game, meaning that the Eagles would I mean the Eagles, the Texans would have had to drive down the field, score a touchdown to get an extra point. But you get a touchdown, now you make it a 12-point game. With under, I believe, at that point, it was under five minutes to go. So you're essentially saying they need two scores and the way the Giants D was playing, it wasn't gonna be that easy. The Giants, D, is coming together. The offense, they've played a great half. Now let's next week put together a first and a second half. A couple things I want to mention, a couple players I want to mention on the Giant offense here. Beckham, he didn't score a touchdown, but his effort, and his effort is so, it seems like he had nine receptions for over 100 yards, but he, it almost feels like he catches the ball two or three times for 30 yards. It's like, here's a play here for Becca for 10 yards, another reception for 30. Here's a five-yard reception, a three-yard reception. And you look up, and you're like, wow. It almost felt like last year in the past couple of years, it was like force-feeding Beckham every other play, where now it just feels like, hey, man, if he's open in the natural progression of the play, we're going to get the player that's open in the natural progression of the play, which is great. I mean, now what you're saying is there is no, if you double-team Beckham, the Giants offense is going to stall. Double-team him. Good. Now the Giants have proved Sterling Shepard could be a weapon. You got Lattimore, the receiver who needs to be worked in, but he caught a deep ball. Saquon Barkley, is he a receiver? Is he a running back? Can you tackle him? Because that circle button move that he has for all my gamers out there, that spin move that he has. It's almost like, all right, cool. The first guys are going to get him. So we know that it's going to be a first down, if not close to it. And back to the game-winning drive. Beautiful play calling. I mean, the play calling that took place on that drive, the multiple formations, the play action, the thinking you're going to run on this down, but it's really a play action. I mean, it was just, it was a thing of beauty. It wasn't the same formation and you're running a certain type, you're running certain routes. It was, all right, we don't know what formation they're coming out in. We don't know if they're going to run or pass. And if they run, we don't know where Saquon's going to go. And if they pass, we don't know where the ball's going to go. And that's what you want. Indecision by the defense that gives your offense an opportunity 
to maximize your opportunity on the matchup. I mean, to me, when I look at this game, I would say the game ball will go to two players. Alec Ogletree for his efforts, being the quarterback of that defense, making a sensational interception, and Kerry Wynn, not starting but making the plays that he did. I would also maybe like to give a bootleg uh, game ball. I mean, I shouldn't be saying this, but the offensive tackle, Mr. Davenport, on the Houston Texans. Oof, he had a rough game. Had a touchdown call back because of a penalty. I mean, he almost tackled the guy, but it almost felt like he was what Eric Flowers was to us. Every time there was a play to be made, it wasn't the the uh, the, the the Texans making it. Either the Giants were making it or it was a penalty by him. I don't mean to call them out by name, but I mean, hey, it is what it is, right? Wonderful game by the Giants. Now you're taking on the Saints next week. It's going to be outdoors. It's going to be in where the it's going to be at the Giants. So Drew Brees is usually a different quarterback when he's playing outside. Well, it's going to be a tough challenge for this Giants defense. And can the Giants offense build on what they've done? Real quick, I know I'm at 21 minutes and 30 seconds here. So I'm going to wrap this episode up by giving you some action around the league. Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, suffered a torn ACL out for the year. It was one of those non-contact injuries. You're worried when you see that because that means something within your body gave out, not something somebody else did. Devastating blow to the 49ers. He's out. Clay Matthews, another roughing the passer. Listen to my previous episode on the Man Cave Huddle, episode number 28. I, I, I actually articulated what the roughing the passer rule is, but he gets called for that rule again, which helped the, I don't want to say helped Washington win, but it just almost makes you believe what is roughing the passer. I mean, we are playing football, right? The Bills, my goodness. I mean, when you saw that score, you were like, hold on, let me rub my eyes. Are they really up on the, the Vikings like that? But wow, they had a really good victory over the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, the way they came out and won like that, that was something that nobody saw. They wound up beating the Minnesota Vikings 27-6. to And I mean, Blaine Gabbert being the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't want to say they're an enigma in the NFL, but you come out, you score a lot of touchdowns, you pass, you know, um, Blake Bortles has four touchdowns, passes for over 300 yards against the Patriot defense, and you win at home. And you're thinking Blake Bortles has arrived. And then Tennessee comes into Jacksonville with a backup quarterback and playing Gabbert. And then you win nine. They beat the, ja- the Jags in Jacksonville 9-6. to six. Still early, so you can't say anything. And Pat Mahomes, I mean, I'm going to start calling Pat Mahomes Pat Mahomie. Because, I mean, if you're playing fantasy, which I don't, I mean, he must be your homie by now. And, I mean, he's putting up mad numbers. 13 touchdowns, not one pick. I mean, jeez, Luis. And the Oakland Raiders. What happened to the Oakland Raiders? Starting out 0-3. And look out now. The Miami Dolphins are 3-0. But when you look at the Oakland Raiders, Gruden last week was talking about how hard it is to find a pass rusher in the NFL. Really? Really, Mr. Gruden. When you only had the best pass rusher who basically has a Khalil Mack has the same amount of sacks with the Chicago Bears as the Oakland Raiders do. But you decided to not pay him and trade him. I don't get it. That I don't get. But that's not why I feel that the Raiders lost. One amazing stat when I looked over this game to figure out what was the mitigating factor that led to the demise of the Oakland Raiders for them to go 0-3. 
74 offensive plays by the Oakland Raiders to only 39 by the Miami Dolphins. Let me say that again. 74 total plays to 39. And yet the Dolphins wound up winning this game 28 to 20, but it was a runaway early on. That I don't get. And lastly, before I get into my positive note of the day, I know uh, this episode's running a little bit long. I'm at 24. I'm, oh, I'm about to go 24 minutes to 40 seconds here. But um, the Patriots, one and two, time to worry because they lost on Monday night against the Detroit Lions. In the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Relax. It's the first month. This is extent, these are the first couple games where guys have been playing more than they played in the preseason. And Bill Belichick is notorious for using September as a building block to know what he has, who he has, and how he wants to mold this team. And let's not forget the head coach of the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia, was only the head was the only the defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots for multiple Super Bowl appearances, and he was there for how many years? So he knows the ins and outs of the Patriots, and he knew that all he had to do was double-team Gronkowski and provide pressure, and at least you'd give yourself a chance if the offense could come to play and they came to play. And I will say this. The Patriots are going to get back Julia Edelman. Josh Gordon is going to be ready to play. Once Belichick realizes what he has with this team, by Halloween, Everybody that's saying Brady's slowing down, is this the year that they're going to fall apart? Talk to me then. I have complete faith that these things are going to happen and that the New England uh, Patriots uh, by Halloween are going to be rolling and they're going to be the team to beat. Now, let me give you my positive note of the day. Now, usually I like to come up with something creative. So let me see what I have here. I'm researching right now. All right. Um... For today's positive quote, we either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. We either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.